Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. So we've been in a series called Be of Good Cheer. Cheerfulness. We're talking about the reality of what it means to live in this life where we are embracing the joy that God brings and, and living out that cheerfulness in our lives. And um, today we're going to kind of piggyback off of where we started last week. Last week we talked about the importance of rejoicing in every season, learning how we rejoice in every season, even when things are difficult. You know, things don't have to be good just for us to be able to rejoice. What we learned last week is the reality that sometimes life is coming against us and the greatest thing we can do is rejoice in God's goodness in spite of what we're going through. And this week, I believe that when we learn how to rejoice, it inspires something that I'm talking about today. And that thing is courage. And today as I was, I was praying for this message, I was praying last night just passionately. I circled my neighborhood so many times. I just couldn't shake this sense that today... People are going to be infused with something, courage, that they really need in this season. So I've been praying for you. Today's going to be a good day. Amen? Let's get into it. Courage. It's hard to be cheerful when you're fearful. Can I say amen to that? It is hard to be cheerful when you're fearful. But the remedy to fear is courage. And I'm not talking about courage that's, um, you know, self-imposed or self-inflated. I'm talking about something different. I'm talking about supernatural courage. I'm talking about what God gives you and what God does in you when Jesus becomes the Lord of your life. When God puts something in you, it's hard for people to take it out. When it's really God who puts something in you, you can go through things that would crush other people. When God puts hope in you, when God puts faith in you, when God puts love in you, circumstances can't shake that loose. But the truth is that fear is always knocking. And I wanted to say that no matter what stage of life you're in today, no matter where you are, whether you're 15 or 50 or, you know, you're transitioning into a job or out of a job or married or single, whatever you're going through in life, I want, I want you to know something today that you are not the only one who's walking through fearful situations in life. And I have to say this up front because the opposite of courage is, is fear. And for many of us, we don't see ourselves as courageous because we're fearful in certain areas of life. We're facing things right now that we think somehow disqualify us from rising up in courage in that area. But I could tell you, nothing could be further from the truth. Just because fear is knocking doesn't mean you have to open the door. Doesn't mean you have to answer. And courage is something I believe God wants to rise up in us. And, and more so than us just looking for signs and confirmations for our situations to change, I believe God is just wanting courage to rise. I think sometimes we're saying, well, if, you know, if God, if you could do this and if, if that sign will happen, well, then I'll know that that's what you want me to do. We can look for that all day or we can just let courage rise in the situation and say, I don't have to wait for a sign. I can just rise up now and who God has made me to be and what he's called me to do and not be swayed by the fears that come knocking on my door. Amen? See, let me kind of say it like this. Somewhere in your life, right now, God is pushing you into the unknown. Some area of your life. Could be your marriage. Could be your life. Could be you financially. There's somewhere in your life God is pushing you into the unknown. And again, what knocks on your door? Fear. Fear of the unknown. It's interesting. God knows what's going on, but we don't know what's going on. 
Hence the need to trust him in every situation. Hence the need for us to trust him always. Hence the need for us to rejoice always, like we talked about last week. And also the need for courage to rise up in us. All throughout the Bible, all throughout Scripture, God's great leaders, people that we just see that we're inspired by, people that we read about, the Esthers, the Josephs, the the Moses, the Abrahams, the Davids, all these people that inspire us, we realize they actually went through something in order for them to inspire us. Fear did not cave them in, courage rose and changed their life and changed history, and now it inspires us. What I want to tell you about that is that your life is the exact same way. On the other side of your fear, on the other side where courage reigns, God is going to do something. And, and you don't always know who's in front of you. That, that's the interesting thing about courage. When, when you rise up in courage, when you step into, by faith, doing what God has called you to do, on the other side is a harvest because of your yes to God. Think about it like this. There was a, there's, let me put it as simple as I can in relation to Grace Avenue Church. There are people that are married now, have children, that are moving forward in their life. Because Janelle, Janelle and I said yes to planting Grace Avenue Church. That's kind, of, that's kind of interesting, right? Would they have even met if we didn't say yes? And what's even cooler, further back, there's people who said yes courageously to God. And I stepped into the harvest that they said yes to. I'm part of the blessing because of their courage. Do you see how there's a trickle-down effect with your courage? There are people on the other side of you not embracing fear, but embracing hope and faith and courage in this life and trusting God. And on the other side of that, there's somebody waiting. For some of us, it's our kids. My parents said yes to faith in the early 70s. If they had said that, they were on the verge of divorce, from what I hear, the rumors. They don't tell me too much about that, but I know there was some drama in the camp. There was some trouble in paradise. Uh, they, they try to smile like it's all good now, but I, I know the truth. I've heard some whispers. And... Um, and, and, and when I look at that, I think, wow, like th- them stepping into a life of faith, not having any background in that, you know, they, they didn't come into church and just like know everybody and what is that word he used and they don't understand the lingo and what does that mean, you know, do, do, do we sit, do we kneel, do we stand, what do we do and they, they didn't know anything. They just courageously took the reins of their own spiritual life and stepped in by faith and just did the best they could. Growing us up in church, growing us up in Christ. It wasn't, it wasn't two homes. Let me clarify that. It wasn't, this is how we are on Sunday, and then this is how we are at home. It, it was the same life. We didn't have church faces, right? Yeah. I got enough spankings at home to get the Jesus into me, much less to show it on Sunday. There wasn't two worlds we were living in. There was, this is who we are as a family. This is what God has called us to do. I remember there was something on the refrigerator that I saw for years, it said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Right? Every time I'm getting some Cheetos or something, I'm looking at the refrigerator, seeing that. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's a statement about our house. That's a statement about our lives. That's a statement about the direction that we're going. This is a courageous step. As for me and my house and my kids and our future, we will serve the Lord. There's boldness in that decision. And I'm telling you, there's blessing on the other side of your boldness. There's blessing on the other side of your courage. And many times God says this to people in the word. And I think sometimes that we just kind of read over it. But if you really start stacking them all up, you realize God was very, very intentional about speaking courage into the people that he called to lead in his name. 
So with Moses, he said, fear not. And then he added this statement, my presence will go with you. It's interesting that that's exactly what Moses needed. Because Moses was fearful. Moses said, I, I cannot speak eloquently. I, I don't have this, this leadership ability to just get up in front of people and, 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 and negotiate and navigate. So he's telling God all of what he can't do because of his fear. And God's saying, don't worry about that. Go and do what I've called you to do. My presence will be with you. See, when, when your fear is knocking on the door, you don't have to answer. All you need is God's presence to take you courageously into what he has next for you. Your lack can be made up by his presence. You know, your weakness, there's a grace that can come and cover the weakness in your life where you don't feel you're measuring up, where you don't feel necessarily that you've got it. To Abraham, he told him, I am your shield. To Joshua, he told him, be strong and be courageous for the Lord will be with you everywhere you go. Why did he need to do that? Why? Because Joshua had followed Moses for years. He didn't know how to lead on his own. He knew how to follow somebody. He knew how to lead, he knew how to lead in one circumstance under somebody. He knew how to take direction. You know, some of us are in that situation. We, we've, we've been leading from a different capacity. We've never had to be the one in charge. We've never had to be the one up front. We've never had, and then you get called into that arena, and we, you start thinking, man, do I even have what it takes to do this? Anybody ever felt that before? God moves you forward. You've been praying for this open door forever, praying to God, and then you get there and you're like, oh my God, I'm scared. <laughs> what, how, how do I get through this? How, how am I going to do this? That's good. It's good that you know that you're not enough and God is everything that you need. It's good to enter into arenas where you find yourself needing his presence, needing the gifts on your life to be touched by God. And, and, and your life to be moved forward and for you to, to operate in faith so that you're not stuck in the pride zone of, man, I got this. I got this. I'm good. I've got this, Lord. Amen. Amen. God's greatest leaders and example to us faced and wrestled with fear. They wrestled at the crossroads of life, at the intersections of life, at the intersection of what I call the intersection of faith and fear. You know, at an intersection, there's lots of different ways you're looking before you cross, right? Especially if you've got kids, right? No matter if you're walking, riding a bike, or driving a car, when you're going through it, as you get older, you look at these intersections a lot more. Like when you're 19, you just fly through them, <laughs> right? And then when you're my age, you're like, man, crazy drivers better not be going through here. I'm not going to put me on YouTube, you know? Because you know you could get hit from that way, you could get hit from that way, and you can get hit from that way. And you know, not everybody's paying attention, but you are. And as you're looking forward, you start making decisions because you're paying attention. You're paying attention in faith to what God is moving you into. And you look this way and there's fear there. And then you look that way and there's fear there. And you look to the right and there's fear there. And then you, you realize, hey, God has given me the green light. I just need to go. I need to trust that he's going to be with me. God shows us these things. Was that good for you this morning? Was that good? Some of you, that's all you needed. You're like, ah, I'm done. Time to go. I got the green light. I'm moving forward. There's more. There's more. That was the appetizer. God's greatest leaders, they were encouraged, commanded, or instructed to be courageous at the intersections of their lives. Think about it. 
God is moving whole nations of people. God is moving people out of slavery. God is moving people out of poverty. God is moving people out of sin. God is moving people out of jail. God is moving people. All kinds of stuff is going on. All kinds of God is moving people. They're at a crossroads. They're at an intersection. And he speaks directly to their fear. That's what he does for you and for me today. He speaks directly to the fear and says, fear not. But then he goes further and tells them even more. For I'm with, I'm with you. I'm your shield. I will never leave you nor forsake you. How long are you going to question God's commitment to you? Before you actually just believe that he's with you. How many good things does he have to say to you before you actually believe it? See, these are places in people's lives where they were marking out, where it was marked out for destiny where there would be something beyond this decision. See, we can read it now and we think, oh yeah, God was gonna do this and he told Moses that and then this is what happened. Yeah, but Moses didn't know that was gonna happen. Moses had fear. Joseph didn't know that was gonna happen. All Joseph knew is that, you know, I'm, I have a dream that God has given me and all of a sudden my brothers throw me into a pit and sell me into slavery and ship me off and I never see my family again. Joseph didn't know it was all gonna work out. And so we find ourselves in these same positions saying, God, I've said yes to you, but I don't know how this is going to work out. God's saying, I'm with you. Fear not. Take courage, for I'm with you. I was thinking just the last few days just about some of the lives that that my wife and I, that, that we're connected to now. Some of the people that we get to do life with just because we said yes to God. And just because we had the courage to say yes to Grace Avenue. See, this is, this is the third service. And for some of you, you're like, oh, wow, this is nice. Well, that's great. But there were question marks all over this. First of all, this is the third service. This is the third one I preached. It was one, two, and three. There used to be only one. This is the building, one of three. There used to be none. <laughs> My, our leaders meetings this, this week at our house and our vision builders meetings, there were five times the amount of people that were in my house that were in the very first service in a living room in Grace Avenue years ago. But all this wasn't there to sell us on the deal. There was no, okay, well, I'm, just trust me, Daniel, and then this is going to happen. He didn't line out the steps for me. Trust me, there's going to be another building, and there's going to be, do you know how many people I've known their churches have started and folded in the time that we've, I give you two hands full right now. People that have started, and for whatever reason, just not here anymore. And I think, man, when you look at this, you think, wow, we are blessed. But it started with a fearful place where courage had to rise. Courage had to come up. And I think now that I've, we've said yes to this, we get to walk in the, beauty, in the beauty of the community and the connection that we have with people. But it came because we invested first, and then blessing came. We're looking for it backwards. Blessing first, and then we'll connect. Bless me first, God, then I'll connect. Make those people cool with me first before I serve anyone there. Give me that job and that that raise before I think about using that place for your glory. See, we've got it backwards. We've got it backwards, and we're praying prayers that are constantly meeting resistance. And God's saying, I'm sending you somewhere and I want you to have courage. Stop living with a fear, lack mentality that everything you do is not going to work out. (laughs) You know, some of the times we just, we need to just hang up the phone, not take the call. 
And that's some real people I'm talking about in your life. That all they do is speak fear into your life. You're going to do what? Oh, man. I had somebody over my house recently, and, you know, I was explaining just the, we have a, um, what do you call it, a, a green belt in the back, behind the back fence. And I was like, and the first thing that came out of the mouth was, oh, man, that attracts a lot of bugs. Oh, man, I don't, you know, I'm like, those are beautiful trees, and all you can think about is bugs. Fear, he, I guess he hates bugs, but I'm like, dude, there's not really that many bugs, to be honest with you. There's a couple of mosquitoes, and that's it. We see somebody's first mentality and first go-to is, What's wrong? What's fearful? What's rather than you get to enjoy a green belt and nobody gets to build on that lot, which is kind of cool. <laughs> so you always have your privacy. So I'll walk out my underwear in the backyard all the time. Nobody ever knows. I don't care. If the birds see, that's their business. But I'm like, man, I'm 42 years old. This is my life, my house. I can do what I want. Amen. Amen. Some people, is he really serious? I think he is. I think he does. Fear will always come knocking and cause you to try and take the thing that God has given you or the thing that God has called you to do and bury it in the ground. There's a story in the New Testament that Jesus tells, and it's a story where it's kind of a, a picture of, of, of Jesus, who is the master in the story, and then three people that he invests in, and it's called the parable of the talents. And often when we use that word talent, we think it means somebody has a talent to sing or a talent for making money or a talent to dance. It's not that. The talent actually was money that was given to them, resource that was put in their hand that they were called to be good stewards of and manage well. And when Jesus returns, he'll account for what they've done with what they were given. But in this story, what's interesting is there's three people that Jesus comes to in this picture, the master. And it says, and to one person he gave five, to one person he gave two, and to another person he gave one. Now that alone right there is enough for us to look at that story and say, okay, well, first of all, God's not fair. Because if you're the dude with five, you're like, hey, man, this is awesome. If you're the guy with one, you're like, that ain't cool. You know, I, di I, didn't, get, I didn't get two. He got two. I only got one. And look at them. They got five. But God's not fair. And I don't know why God does what he does, but he does what he does. And this, I think this is the first thing for courage to rise. We have to understand that things don't always go the way that we think they should. That it's not based on fairness that courage should rise. That just because the situation didn't work out doesn't mean we still don't have a responsibility with what God has put in our hands. And it says the master goes away on a long journey and then left the talents with these people. Here's what's interesting. It doesn't say anything about the master telling them what to do with the talent. He didn't tell them anything. It just says he gave them this and then went away on a long journey. Which makes me question, how much time do we spend asking God what to do with what he's given us? He just called them to steward it. He called them to manage it. And what does it say? It says that the guy with five multiplied it. It says when the master returned, he said, Master, you gave me five. I have returned five. Here is five for you. And it says that the master was pleased. The guy with two does the exact same thing. It says, you gave me two. I went out. I made two more, and here it is. I present this back to you. And Jesus again says, well done, good and faithful servant. And then to the guy who only got one. This is very, very important. Watch this. Because this is going to speak to, your, this is gonna speak to the, the next season that you're looking at right now. 
To the guy with one, he says, Lord, I knew you were to be a a strong master and I did not want to lose what you gave me, so I took it and I buried it in the ground. And now that you're back, I've taken it out and here you go. Everything that you gave me, safe and sound, not lost, not multiplied, not managed, but here you go. And then it says that the master then says, some pretty scary things. <laughs> causes, calls him names, wicked and lazy and slothful. And even worse, he says, take what the guy had and give it to the one who's multiplied something. Now, if that doesn't wake you up this morning, Jesus is usually cool, right? <laughs> right? We love the promises. We love the blessings. We love everything he speaks over our lives. But when he starts talking about wicked, and I don't know about you, but I don't want to be called wicked and lazy and slothful. I, I don't want to be looked at and, and, and understand that I'm the guy who took what I had and buried it in the ground. See, what, what's happening today is for many of us, God has put something into your life and into your hands. And instead of managing it, fear is tempting you to bury it. Fear is causing you to bury it. And God's called you to manage it. Courage has to rise. It has to be more than what you feel about the situation. Courage is not a feeling. Courage is action. Courage is decision. Courage is in spite of what you feel, you do it anyway. Some of us don't always feel like being a mom. Mamas, come on. Amen. Some of us don't always feel like providing for the family. We always feel like having tamales or tacos, but we don't always feel... Like being responsible. We, we, we just want to kick back and say, man, I wish I could just. That's not life. We said yes to the master. There's opportunity ahead. And many of us are seeing opposition. But in your opposition, there's opportunity. And we have to see clearly what God is trying to lead us into. See, John chapter 16, verse 33. I want to show you this verse. This is what, what Jesus said. He says, I said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. I want to read that one more time. I've said these things to you. We should probably go look at what he was talking about. Because he says that again in the chapter. I'm saying these things to you, and I've said these things to you. So there's possibly something we haven't heard. Secondly, he says, in me, not in your job you may have peace. Not in your bank account you may have peace. Not in your relationship, you may have peace. It may be peaceful, but that's not where you will have your peace, your foundation, your stable ground. In this world, you will have tribulation. Well, I look at that and I kind of think, man, that's pretty heavy. I know Jesus promises all kinds of good things, but that, that's a promise there. We're going to have tribulation? I don't want that. Anybody want that? Anybody want to volunteer for tribulation? Here's what that word tribulation means. When you look at the word he used... It actually means affliction and oppression. Merry Christmas. Holly jolly Christmas to you and I. Some affliction and oppression on all of you. No, none of us want that. But here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying in this world, this is reality. You're going to have this. And if you don't get your head around this, every time tribulation hits you, you'll go into freak out mode. You'll go into withdrawal mode. You'll go into isolation mode. You'll go into, no, I'm not serving today. No, I'm not going going to connect group today. No, I'm not tithing. No, I'm not helping anyone. No, I'm I'm, I'm looking out for me because I'm going through something. But here's the thing. Everybody's going through something. 
You're not the only one. You're not the only one. You've got to get this out of your mind today. Courage can rise. Not because you're isolated and the only one dealing with it, with the only thing, but because Jesus already told us to take heart because he's overcome the world, which means the world doesn't have to overcome us. We've been given the power to overcome the world. You know, the last couple of years, I realize there's a grace that comes when you face your most difficult seasons in life. There's a grace that comes. Was it easy? No. Was it painful? Yes. Were there tears? Tons. Did I wonder how I was going to make it? Yes. But there was a grace there. There was a grace that picked me up and carried me while I was trying to carry others. There's a grace that comes. Some of you are, are, are stuck. You're stuck because of fear. But grace has come to carry you. Your opposition is opportunity. How do you see this right now? Are you seeing it through the right lens? He says, take heart. In other words, have courage. I've overcome the world. See, the thing about tribulation is you don't get to schedule out your tribulations. You don't. Jesus doesn't say, Happy New Year 2018. Okay, so this year I have scheduled for you six tribulations. When would you like to? <laughs> Personally, I would like one in January. Just get it out of the way. Like the second one around Valentine's Day. Uh, just so I don't have to spend anything for my wife. That would be nice. And we can, I could just say, Oh, honey, we can't do this. It would be great. The plumbing's out, so we can't. We really can't expend, you know. And then uh, let's save one, you know, March, not April. That's at Easter. You know, I want to come into the house of God for Easter. Let's celebrate Easter. And then summer, no, I want to get a tan and go to the pool. I don't want any problems there, you know. Actually, I really hate my in-laws. If we could schedule the rest of them around November and December, that'd be wonderful, Lord. You don't get to schedule your tribulations. You just get to respond to them. And when you respond to them, either fear rises or courage rises. See, you can't outrun tribulation, but you can outlast it. You can't outrun it because if Jesus lived perfect, if Jesus lived sinless, if Jesus lived the perfect life and still faced persecution and affliction and oppression and rejection and condemnation, come on, what makes us so special? We are children of the King, but we know the reality is life can be difficult. What I'm saying today is courage is available to you just as much as it was to Jesus. The Holy Spirit has given us the ability to hear God's voice in the midst of the storm. To not be overwhelmed by everything, but to overcome the things that have come against us. See, some of us are asking the wrong question. We've been asking why things are happening instead of focusing on what's being stolen from us when we're asking why. You're being robbed every time you're asking why. Because you can't see what you're losing. And this is the way that the enemy works. This is the enemy comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And Jesus said, but I have come so that you may have life and have it abundantly. What's being stolen from you when you're focusing on what might happen? Fear, uh, your joy, your peace, your love, your grace. What's, be, what's being poured into your life by the enemy? Fear. Fear of won't work. Fear of what might not happen. Fear what's happened before? Am I speaking to somebody this morning? See, the reason some of us are so discouraged, not encouraged, about moving forward is because something's been stolen from us. If we're all honest today, something's been stolen. And each one of us walks a different journey 
And we're still called, even when we've been robbed, we're still called to move forward. Someone breaks into your car, you're like, dang it, man, I got to do it. And then you what? It's still your car. You got to replace the window, but you got to drive it. Some of us have been stolen from. And God's saying, this is going to work together for good. That's the promise I held on to throughout this entire season. All things work together for good. I don't know how they're going to work out, but all things. When God says all things, he doesn't mean some things. He means all things. When, when all things work together for good for those who what? Love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. I know I love the Lord. And I certainly know I'm called to his purpose. I knew it when I got saved. Before I was a pastor, he saved me. I knew there was something on my life that was not going to sit on the back row of a church for 50 years and just hear a bunch of messages. God has put me in this generation for a reason. He put me on this earth for a reason. I'm not going to sit around and question it. I'm going to get to work serving God's people, serving the lost, helping people, doing the best I can with what I've got. See what God does. Your opposition is your opportunity. I'm going to say this one more time so that we understand this. There's a grace that will come when your courage rises. There's a grace that will come. You don't know how you're going to get through it. There's a grace that's going to come to help you get through it. In our weakness, he's strong. That's what Paul said. When I am weakest, God is strong. It's okay to be weak. Don't quit. It's okay to feel that, that oppression and that, and that affliction and know that stuff is coming against you, keeping you from moving forward. But, but don't bury what God has called you to manage. Don't bury the talent. Let courage rise and do something with what God has put in your hands. What he's put over your marriage. What he's put over your life. What he's already pulled you off, off of, out of, around. What, he, what he's pulled you out of. Let courage rise. Grace will come in Jesus' name. Come on, let's pray this. If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church, or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.